Welcome to Crip with your host, DeAndre Miller. In this podcast, we'll be discussing cryptography, what it is, what it's about, when it came out, and many other answers to some basic questions that you may have if you were deciding to become a trader in crypto. Reminder, I am not a financial advisor, so please just listen to the information, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome to the show. You guys are here with DeAndre Miller. I am here with founder and CEO of JoinCoin.co. As we're here, we're going to talk about crypto, and I just want to ask him a few questions to get us rolling on pretty much like when he started with crypto and just about his company. Hey, young man. Nice to meet you. Hey, nice to meet you. Um, now, generally, I usually start with um, I'm the CEO of JoinCoin.co started in 2019, late summer. I'm here currently uh, with DeAndre and uh, here to answer any questions you may have about crypto and the space itself. Yeah, so honestly, like my crypto, I know so for the first episode, I've been informing people. Um, like when I started, um, other guests that I ask on the show, the first question I always ask is, like, when did you first hear about crypto? And what made you start crypto? Like? <laughs> well, uh, as a graduate of the University of Maryland, I remember crypto and my introduction very well. I had a roommate at the time who was a software engineer, and uh, this was 2011. And we were basically watching like a story on, on like uh, YouTube at the time and had said some guy had bought like a pizza and you were able to buy pizzas in Bitcoin. His name is Paperboy Prince. He's actually out of New York. Um and he ran for Congress in New York City as well. But at that time, he was really and truthfully adamant about pizza. <laughs> and we all went in and bought a pizza to our current <laughs> demise. But we bought a pizza uh, from Papa John's at the time, down down the street from University of Maryland. And that was my introduction. Like, hey, man, it's kind of cool. We can use actual American dollars to buy something in America that isn't American currency, um, per se. Damn. I said, that's cool, because I'm trying to think, if I was in your shoes around that time, I would be a little skeptical, like, what? Oh, we were we were super skeptical. Yeah, you got to think, a imagine. coin at that time was less than, like, $6. So, yeah. it was really five guys in the house with a pizza order of 11 pizzas. We were pretty much going to throw, I think, like, maybe a 25-person uh, game night, and we all just went in, gave 25 bucks. He was on his computer, and at that time, the protocol was you had to buy it from a website, wait like 15 minutes for your coins to be confirmed. There was no none of the software available on cell phones at that time. It was all hardcore nodes and CPUs at the time. I was about to say, because now you can freaking hook your damn debit card up and buy your <laughs> yeah. crypto like it's yeah, quick. No. Easy transaction. The fact like that shopping. ATMs is, is what really has set people um, in the generation like of my parents into a more realistic standing of what is actually possible. Because once again, this is America and you've never really seen a, another currency accepted on our shores, right? This is kind of one of the first times in modern history that it's even been allowed. And it'd be like you being able to go and buy swiss francs or something like that at any local grocery store you can go in now purchase a bitcoin <laughs> and then actually purchase goods and services with that yeah. um, so it's kind of amazing in, in the era we are currently in 
you see, and where I'm where I'm at in Maryland, we don't have them, but I've seen like in New York City, they have like actual mm-hmm. Bitcoin machines where you can buy on Bitcoin stuff mm-hmm. off of like um, Amazon. Like you can literally buy merchandise. Are you using um, Bitcoin? Are you close to? Uh, it's a place in Waldorf. There's a bunch of places in D.C. that you can actually physically go into the ATM. Um, there's multiple places in uh, Southern Maryland I know where you can actually walk into a store, ATM, purchase your Bitcoin, because they realize all you need to have is access to the network. Right? That's what's so impactful of Bitcoin in and of itself. You don't have to have a traditional banking interface. All you need is an internet connection and a verifiable access point anywhere in the world, right? In America, we're, we're pretty much spoiled. We have banking institutions. So do you think there would be another coin like Bitcoin ever? Like, do you think there would be another coin that would be widely accepted where people... Like, if you have Bitcoin, people know, hey, if you own Bitcoin, mm-hmm. like a whole Bitcoin or more, you pretty much, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. people are like, oh, would there ever be another coin where, like, you own one Ethereum, or you just mm-hmm. own Ethereum, and Ethereum is also another form of payment that'll be just as important as something else, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. And not just Ethereum. Will Cardano be something? Like, mm-hmm. will there be any other coin that will be as reliant as Bitcoin is, mm-hmm. if that makes sense? Now, we have to almost go down to the principles of what money is, right, in monetary systems. If you look at just the precious metals, um, that space alone, most people say as store of value, they always like to compare Bitcoin to like gold, right? Mm-hmm. If we were going to use the actual facts and data of store and value, gold is one of the worst performing assets of all time. Ten years ago, gold was trading at almost $2,000 an ounce. Today, in 2022, gold is trading at 1800 $72 and some odd cents. So you wouldn't even have broken even over a decade, right? Mm-hmm. Bitcoin in that same period has gone up well over 4 million percent. Well over. So. What was Bitcoin at when it first came out? How much was one Bitcoin? Pennies. Pennies. Literally, I remember when Bitcoin was three cents. Oh now, the reality of that is, at that point, the utility of it, the function in the utility of it was zero, Right. You would have had to really been looking at hash rates and the inflationary value that's inherently built built into Bitcoin, which is why every four years it cuts the amount of available tokens um, in half. Right. So you're building inflation already into it. That's why there's only 21 million total units available um, from the beginning to the end. And you can't change those standards. So when people say it's owned by another country or um, it's banned in certain countries, the problem with that is even when countries like China banned it, still over 20% of the actual processing power is still coming from China. So it's even almost impossible to outright ban because as humans, we determine where value is, right? Value added doesn't necessarily have to be something tangible any more than you can utilize something like gold in your current um, environment. We know gold is good for computer components and things like that, but Mm -hmm. just in terms of a storage of value and being able to increase or decrease against inflation, gold is a $20 trillion market cap, 
right? This is where it all comes into um, macroeconomics. By having a $20 trillion market cap, in order for it to increase, you'd have to double that $20 trillion market to a $40 trillion market in order to, let's say, take your investment and double that investment versus something like Bitcoin, which the entire market's only, what, $580 billion, $600 billion. Mm-hmm. It's much more likely and possible for that to double to $1.5 trillion or so I agree. than it would be for, for gold <clears throat> itself as an asset class. So, like, we're looking at really in the next 10, 20 years, the it's not like the value of gold is going to increase. Right. So, like, the U.S. dollar is going to slowly but surely, steadily keep decreasing. And eventually, it won't really be worth nothing. Right. And, I mean, even even to say the dollar, as far as we're really and truthfully utilizing it, we rarely move paper currency anymore. Most people move currency in large quantities with a debit card, with a credit card. If you look at the access points of what monetary policy has really done, more money is created just from housing, right? You go to a bank, you give a promissory note to that bank that you will pay back this money over X amount of time. That bank then gets to take your promissory note and signature and turn that into actual cash to build a house. They yeah. take your note, not the actual value you've created yeah. outside of that promise. They're just coming up with and it. And they put that money in your account or a contractor's account in real numbers right. on a screen, right? That gets verified through that banking institution in and of itself. It doesn't have to come from the Federal Reserve. It doesn't have to come from, from the government. It can come from a private company. Showing you that money. Or public. Real. Showing you that money is now real. It's now created. <clears throat> it's crazy because my... There's an earlier episode when I was explaining to people, if you didn't already know the, like how money worked, how money is mm-hmm. not real, the pandemic was like a prime example for Absolutely. where like it was a smack in the face to really show you that money's not real. <laughs> you, like the pandemic showed people like the younger generation like me who... You know, maybe weren't taught all the financial tools that we may need. You know, we've got to learn mm-hmm. as everyone's learning. But, like, the pandemic was like a boom. Hey, did you guys know money's not real? <laughs> <laughs> we like, create money out of thin air if it, we need to. Real deal. Like, yeah. it, seriously. <laughs> and that, now, does that, and this is just a quick question, does that bother you that you think that most people live under the veil of certainty or uncertainty with their current finances? I think it's scary, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Uh, I think... (laughs) I I do really big hypothetical statements, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Just outside of crypto, just regular thought process, I always try to think of, like, the worst aspect of things, worst outcomes, Mm -hmm. really, so that I'm prepared for them. (laughs) The currency or current state of, like, a lot of people in the United States, just across the world, people who don't believe in digital currency, people who may not be in crypto... You know, mm-hmm. any anybody who just is not aware of what's going on. I fear, let's say when I'm older, say I'm going on 45, 50, right? Mm-hmm. And the U.S. dollar is not worth anything. And like in a blink of an eye, really, right? You go to, and this is maybe dramatic, but seriously, you go and your groceries, your grocery shopping is costing your uh, arm and a leg mm-hmm. like your milk 
It's thirty dollars. Like, mm-hmm. like, but, but seriously though, it's a stretch. But like, for real, I There's mean, we plenty of countries, you know, Venezuela, you, uh, Turkey, yeah, like, like a lot of countries that deal with hyperinflation, of course. You know, we say, um, since we're in the United States, people like to be ignorant. People like to be blind to the fact that really this is in twenty twenty two, the fourth year I believe where like United States is in the worst financial crisis, the Great Depression, it's World War Two. I happen to have been reading on this like two. It's one other, and then it's twenty twenty two. We are in the worst. It's like, it's a, you can't buy a home. Like you can buy a home, but it's for outrageous prices. Like everything is outrageous right now to buy a car, to mm-hmm. to finance anything. Honestly, to fill up. I I bought a Civic to save gas, <laughs> and it's not saving me That's gas anymore. You know, like it is saving me gas, but realistically, yeah. compared to how it was, it's not. So like. Just jog back. So let's say a few years go by. And you got cash or you got all your money in American currency. <laughs> but it's really nothing. Yeah. You really are broke. Yep. And then there's somebody who got this. And it's, it may not even be that much back in the day when they put their current, their United States currency in. Right. But they got one Cardano or whatnot. And that cost them just a gallon of milk. <laughs> and And they got... A whole bunch of Cardano yeah. because you know what I mean, you like a very cheap investment. You know, and that's one thought process, but it's mm-hmm. scary how it can happen. And while it's happening, it's not like the people who are controlling that or the people who see that are gonna warn mm-hmm. the little people. Yeah. They're gonna watch and, it happen. And effectively, and... I tell people this, right? If you're in a financial position where the money today doesn't make or break your movements of the day you're in a much better position to play a long game, right? Without necessarily having to pick all of the white right winners, right? If you're in a, a bad position financially currently, your best bet is to use as much market research, as much data as possible, put in as much energy as possible so that you're at that top, the upper echelon of people who understand the market in and of itself. Because when you can afford to spread out your risk, especially in something that's as new as cryptocurrency, you're able to not only capitalize on a single investment, you're able to capitalize on a multitude or a diversification of the market itself. And I think that in general, there are very few winners who will be around 50 years from now. But the benefit is if at every integral, you're able to pivot and just stick to the fundamentals of always buy low and sell high, avoid emotional attachment to any of these investments, and then finally know what you own and ultimately why you own it, right? So a lot of people will follow hype trains or celebrities in, in the crypto space and have no idea of why they own certain tokens or what the utility is behind those oh, tokens. Oh, hell yeah. And when they go to shit, then people are like, then they, they start blaming things. Or right. they start, listen. Well, I then they sell. And, and the thing is, I personally have very rarely sold at a loss on any investment because, once again, I don't use the money that I need for today. Right. I don't, I don't invest the money that I need for today. So, in times like a volatility, which people who haven't done their history or, or research look at the market today and they say, oh my goodness, it's down. When in reality, the Fed just looked at the inflationary rate. They decided to pull some of the circulating 
currency out of the economy because they have that power. They raise the interest rates. And all that does is take those who've made great profits, those who have done extremely well in, in diversified areas of finance, all that does is make them look at their businesses, their entrepreneurship, their current expenses. And the reality is today, you need American dollars to pay your American bills. So they take that currency out of circulation and they use it. And that's all, you know, the real um, downturn or retraction that has happened in the market. You know, if you still look at the five-year or 10-year curve on any of <laughs> on any of these great projects, you're looking at an exponential growth and value yeah i you know that's one thing that i've been learning going across this space like one thing um i have <laughs> i noticed that a lot of people buy into coins and get into these spaces and have no idea about the market itself you know they followed like you said the coins that their celebrity posted or like you know elon musk you know when dogecoin was blowing up and oh buy dogecoin but like People were buying into crypto, seeing all these advertisements and the apps of crypto.com and whatnot. But no one simply understands or looks at the market. What is the market? What the what is crypto itself? What is a ledger? What what is going on with this transaction and why you know what I mean? Like why do people want to go to it? Why there's no third parties that mm-hmm. why there's no banks, you know, looking into this money? Why? What is the purpose of the decentralized? Oh, you I mean, know, you know the decentralized platform base, right? In and of itself, being purpose driven, is for areas that have had limited access to the banking institutions or financial institutions, places where you have to go miles in order to bank. Um, these are places where you can't necessarily store the local currency because in the last twenty or, or fifty years. Of these people's lives the native currency or national currency has been changed has been disbanded has been disallowed or outright uh, limited if you look at examples of russia right with sanctions if your native currency can be controlled by the actions sole actions of one or two people in political power then you're you're inclined to look for another safer or equally as safe um, and easy accessible basis for your time, energy, and assets, which is all money really is. You know, our currencies are really just a way for us to change and exchange value, whether that be time, whether that be energy, whether that be um, a number of things that humans necessarily need. Um, Being able to store that on your person and have it readily available is the most important part of any economic infrastructure. Oh, that makes sense. And see, from the sounds of it, too, as you're speaking, it sounds like you have a lot of faith in crypto as far as the future as well. Like you have, maybe not down to the T as you're scared as milk costing 30 bucks, <laughs> but, you know, down to a, and a few years from now, it's going to be a lot more important, a lot more used to it than what it is now. I trust people to move forward, right? I trust people to utilize the easiest technologies that are available to them. I realize um, very quickly how on a functional level, the financial institutions in and of themselves are ripe for disruption globally, especially, but in terms of having those days where you have to wait to move money in and out of the current banking system, 
the um, reliance on identification for what transactions happen, you know, the basis for politics and the monetary policy. I realized very early on that people want not only uh, to have their financial future secured, but they want to be able to use it how they want to use it, right? And that's where cryptocurrency really comes in to be able to limit someone else's control and access to your data, to your finances, and ultimately to your decisions. Okay, but then I'll leave you with this, and then I'll let you go. This will be my last question, or at least I would like an explanation on. So, crypto is supposed to be something you should be able to have your finances on, money you should be able to spend willingly, be able to transact and do what you want without a third party or anything watching over you. But let's say I am a multimillionaire in crypto. I can't actually use those millions right now. So, like, I still don't really understand liquidiz- like liquidization, what it is, why it is so important. Like, um, I know we weren't talking about this, but Terra Luna dropping down and people were talking about liquidization. And, like, I'm not, I'm not too familiar with that term and why, you know, people use it. But I know... And I just know, like, if I had $100,000 right now in Ethereum, maybe 100000 is too low. <laughs> but, yeah, like, how would I move it? Like, and then if I wanted a car right now, mm-hmm. so I had 100000 in Ethereum and I wanted a car to go by right now that's at the dealership up the street from me right now. Mm-hmm. How can, and I know how to move, you know, 100 bucks or whatnot because you can move small change like that. But when you start getting into big numbers and mm-hmm. gas prices and when things really start mattering for the for big time you know how what what are the limitations there right well the truth of it all is it is boundless and limitless as far as moving your currencies in and out of the space um the only determining factor is how to claim these transactions as income once they do hit the shores because we all like to be 100% honest um, with any gains, any amount of money that one acquires in the currency of their native country, they're required to pay taxes. All right. That is the only cost for doing business. That's the only cost for living on the shores. So if you were to move a large sum of money, you have to explain. You have to explain the reasoning, where it came from, and pay taxes on it. It's no, sense. it's no different than any lottery winnings, right? It's no different than um, what would be considered capital gains tax and in the investment. You can move your money in and out of the stock market. The the limit to the period in which you're able to put money in and get money out. Um, if it's over a year, then you pay a different tax rate. Uh, crypto is just at the cusp of getting um, documentation passed through Congress. To determine exactly what tax rate you'll have to pay on certain investments, certain currencies, and to speak to liquidity in situations such as Luna, right? Large, large, large coins that promise returns greater than any financial institution has been able to promise. The only problem with that entire situation comes down to where do the finances come from to reward 
the stakeholders to reward those who provide stake to the liquidity pool. So was not to cut you off, but mm-hmm. how they did Terra Luna. I know the purpose of cryptocurrency is to be decentralized, but how they pegged it to the native coin. Mm-hmm. Two native coins, right? Yeah. Isn't that centralizing? Well, no. Centralization would be if um, if by owning a certain percentage of that of that coin, you would then outright have control over the functionality of that coin. Okay, okay, that makes sense. If you look at Bitcoin, whether I own one bit or fifty Bitcoin, I can still function on the network, but it doesn't give me any control over the actual protocol of that coin. I can't then go and change uh, and say, now there's 25 million Bitcoin. Now I'm, I'm giving this amount of money to uh, the shareholders or the original or originators of that token. It's locked. Once it's locked, it has to be verified by every single person doing a node uh, on on that transaction history. And you'll be able to see if it's unverified. If anyone individual tries to change that protocol for any purpose, mm. it'll come back unverified. You lose your electric electricity because it's done by brute force figuring out the numbers. That's what takes all of that CPU. It's able to really intro- and truthfully try to figure out what that actual uh, node solution is that's what keeps people honest on those networks you're not going to waste all the energy and time in order for the network to basically tell you you're fraudulent and not reward you with uh the token in and of itself but things like luna the difficulty was uh in order to provide liquidity they really and truthfully tried to give people a 20 percent return and the problem with that is they weren't taking any of that out of circulation with that coin it was all based on the new individuals coming in and buying into the token. They were able to reward those uh, who were at the end, and they only owned enough Bitcoin to support a three or four uh, billion dollar platform. When there was a lot more individuals in that token at the Heck time. Yeah. So the okay. So this is just a little bonus question, right? Mm-hmm. So like, do you think? Yeah, no problem. Do you think, Luna? will ever go back to maybe not 85 maybe at that high of 119 but like do they even have a possibility of getting back to a dollar because i'll tell you and this is <laughs> look when luna went low right mm-hmm. i hit up a few boys that i knew i was like dang you see what happened to luna <laughs> because in the spaces i'm at i knew people who actually lost money on luna really mm-hmm. i know people who lost off a couple hundred People were losing a couple thousand. And, like, uh, I knew only one man who really claimed a loss over a few million. Yeah. So, like, I'm, you know, listening to all these devastation stories. People talking about how they're going to feed their family, all this extra. Mm-hmm. And here I'm in, talking about, like, <laughs> hey, I ain't, I ain't have this. You know, I didn't have millions and mm-hmm. thousands in this. Let me buy some. I can buy more. Yeah. But, see, I was waiting a little bit because, see, when it dropped, profits in 90, when it 99% dropped. Then it ninety nine percent dropped again, mm-hmm. and it kept dropping. And then a couple marketplaces delisted them. I was still like, "Let me wait." And when it dropped again, I went ahead and bought some. And then it actually went up some, mm-hmm. and I made a little now, bit of money. Now this is this is the ultimate question. If you look at its function, 
the reason that it did so well was because it had investment potential for a large group of people who decided it had value to them outside of its use case. Oh, and they already determined it has no more value. Right. Those people always drop out early. Those people always leave to- you know, coins early. They always leave investments early because they, again, back to my original point, they don't know what they own and why they own it. If they're owning an investment, they should understand that the general rule of investing is know how long you're in it for and what return you're looking for. If those people were only in it for that 20% return year over year, then at the end of the day, they're only looking for a 20% return on their investment. They should be looking now at how long would it take for me to receive that 20%. If you're cutting your losses at a 99% or a 200% or a 300% or a 500% loss, then you can determine, yes, you've already determined that that has no more utility. It's not worth your time, energy, or money to hold. And it's in your best interest to go ahead and move forward. I personally don't determine any investment to be based on that. I look at the simple macroeconomics of situations, of the market in and of itself. When we made JoinCoin, we all pretty much had the understanding that our focal point would be driven on longevity. We're not here for the short term. We're here to build a community. And the community in and of itself will determine what direction the coin goes in and where its functionality and utility really comes in. Ours personally um, is built on, I think, a solid base, which Luna has shown to have just by how many people are still maintaining and still holding through the tumultuous times. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin had the same. Ethereum has had the same. You know, any investment of stock, Amazon has had the same. If you counted it when it did its biggest dump, its, its highest volatility, to its current price, it'd be but a blip on its 10-year chart or 5-year chart or 15-year chart. The oh, difference yeah. is you have to understand what what you own and why you own it. And I think that's the most important part for any investment, whether it's in finances or whether it's in assets. That makes sense. Now I'm about to do some more research on exactly why I own a few <laughs> more of my coins. Yeah, that's the truth. And there's nothing wrong with, with owning gamble coins. You know, we all have a uh, an ability to understand the um, the base level of all of our investments and as long as you understand exactly what you own I think it's a little bit easier to make those determining determining judgments whether that's good or bad um, that's up to each individual yeah. some people make it big playing poker I mean, some people lose their shirts You'd be way more useful in the community, too, and have more say and know. Be more in the know if you knew exactly what you were invested mm-hmm. in, what's going on anyways. See, I kind of took, like, a little back step into the seat of crypto now, like, because um, when I joined, I joined in through the hype and whatnot, so, like, there's not that much on the mainstream tokens of, like, Bitcoin, Ethereum, mm-hmm. or whatnot, where I'm going to make a huge profit right now. Those are, like, years to come. So I had my money invested in those, and I sit back and wait, and I've been jumping into NFT communities and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I actually do like art, you know what I mean? For me, taking pictures, I have another stuff going on. I've 
I've jumped into that kind of stuff. So, like, crypto has been more on, I'm hoping to, when I look at my wallet, when I'm, like, 25. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you know what? Damn, this actually did X uh, a whole lot. You know, I'm not specifically sure exactly how much any coin that I'm... I don't have a prediction on mm-hmm. none of my coins as far as, like, where I see any of them. I just feel like I know. You trust in the, the, deal, in the I, general community I, and the I, utility. I trust in the general community, and like you said, um, as far as just believing in people, as far as using the easiest thing, I believe once people, and like I feel like once people learn, you know, once it becomes something that people like, people fear the mm-hmm. unknown, you know, just like how people were skeptical of Bitcoin, and now people wish they had it all. Absolutely, it's, it's one of those things where like people are like, eh, and then once they miss out, everybody like, oh. And then they want to join, but I, of course, over time, I feel like people want to know about it. People want to use it more because it makes so much sense. It's just scary because it's new for people. Mm-hmm. But in, in a few years now, it's, it's not but so long. People can you can't say crypto is new in t- in ten more years. Right. That that conversation goes out the you like now even it's not really new but it's still new. The space has been proven over and over again. Right. right, but like ten years from now, I can't walk up to the street and be like, "Hey, I shouldn't be able to ask someone ten years from now, hey, have you heard about crypto?" And somebody's like, mm, "I just know about <laughs> Bitcoin." Like, I, you <laughs> should be a little bit more informed. I, I you know, yeah. I feel like even now, as I ask my colleagues and I walk around and ask people about crypto, I hear people talking more and more about it um, from advertisements. You know, mm-hmm. when you're on social media and you see um, advertisements on Bitcoin and Crypto.com's uh, has a little slogan where it's a different kind of money mm-hmm. deserves a different kind of wallet. Right. And then, you know, it... it they own an arena now. Really? Yeah, seriously. And, it, you know, it is being, it's being put more and more into our face. So I feel like more and more people will start to know. And it's I'm easier to use. Right. Simple. It's easier to carry your own financial independence with you globally. Um, and you're able to transact with people globally. And the speed at which you're able to move large amounts of money is night and day from the waiting times required in the traditional banking system. The only gripe people have had is the crypto space may uh, waste a lot of resources and energy. The reality of that is um, energy is one of those things where I think as a human uh, driving force, we will figure out a better energy solution globally, not because we want to, but because we have to. (laughs) Hey, trust me, we have to. <laughs> but, you know, uh, honestly, that wraps up my show. I appreciate you taking the time. DeAndre, it's been a pleasure me. for sure. Yeah.